0: Welcome to the IDA Podcast. Today, we're going to hear from David Schindler. He's going to give us a history of bobbleheads and what it takes to get your own personalized bobblehead made especially for you.
1: I'm David Schindler. I am the Senior Director, Executive Producer of Event Presentation and Production for The Tennessee Type. And yes, that might be the longest title in the history of the world.
0: <laughs> but I think also you are like your name is synonymous with the IDEA organization, David. I think there was even a bobblehead award that was maybe given out at one to- point with your head on it.
1: Yes, there is a bobblehead. I'm staring at it right now. That is true.
0: <laughs> There's not many people who actually have their own bobblehead, so that's pretty impressive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess having a if having a bobblehead is one of my greatest achievements in the world. And fantastic. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, oh, I remember way back in the day. I can't remember. It had to been, gosh, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. And you had done you had submitted content for the GMAs, and I think you were throwing computers out of buildings and then running over them with bulldozers. Is that is that somewhere in the realm of some of the things you do?
1: Well, that piece particularly um, was a piece that we created for the uh, GMA Gala at the Idea Conference, and you know, one of the things that you know, I, I want to make sure whatever I do that is entertaining <laughs> and speaks and speaks to the audience, right? And so, when you are speaking and presenting to the Idea Organization um you can have a different sensibility than if you're playing for 60,000 people in a in a stadium and so there um had an idea had this old switcher that we were getting rid of and we were always frustrated with and so um I thought of the idea conference and what is something that we could do to have fun with that to destroy a switcher <laughs> and so we came back to the infamous scene from office space where they destroy the fax machine, and we basically knocked it off shot by shot. Uh, but instead of a fax machine, it was a switcher. Um, but then we turned the tables at the very end. We sh- there was this place in northern Georgia um, called Tank Town, USA, <laughs> and we literally shot it there. And then the end of it was we ran the switcher over with a tank, uh, and so. And so, you know, it just plays to your audience. You know, everybody, idea likes humor.
0: Yes, we I do. Like
1: humor. <laughs> I like humor. Uh, I, I like to have some fun. And so that was an opportunity to do something for the idea organization that people could relate to. And um, by knocking off the office space video, uh, I felt was a big success and a lot
0: of fun. Oh, it was hilarious. It got so many laughs it was amazing yep never ceasing to impress that is one thing for sure with you
1: well yeah i I try (laughs) again i just i I like to have fun and i like to create moments
0: yes and
1: creating moments is really the the high point of what we get to do people spend their hard-earned money to come to games and i grew up uh a little kid in the boston area And I just loved sports. And if I knew that night I was going to a Red Sox game or a Celtics game, I was just, all I could think of during the day was, I'm going to Mm. a professional sports event. And this was in the day, there was no video boards. I mean, the Red Sox had this dot matrix board. Mm -hmm. Um, the, The Celtics didn't have a video board. There was nothing like that, but just the excitement of how much it meant to me going. And then now I'm in a position where I get to entertain people who come to those games and create memories for people. Um, It's a dream come true in many ways. And so I try to take the attitude of if I was in the audience, what would I wanna see? How can I create those moments for them? So whether it's with humor or excitement, getting loud, or even a touching feel good moment, whatever it is, you want to hit the mark as much as you can. And that's what I I try to do every day.
0: That's amazing. Yep. And that's exactly it. Having young kids myself, I know that as they're preparing for the event they're going to go to in the weekend, all week long, right? It's exciting because you don't get to go to events every weekend. So it is such an important event. And for that fan at that moment, you're creating those memories
1: exactly exactly and you know so you know i try to take that to whatever i do and i worked for 23 years in arena sports with basketball and hockey primarily uh, and then uh, back in 2017 i had the opportunity to come to nashville and work for the titans and you know played on an even larger stage but it, whether it's that or at a conference of hundred people um, or even a smaller group if you're speaking to a group of 50 people or a hundred people you want to make an impression you want to make a difference um, if you can the audience can take one thing away that's memorable um, that's what you try to do
0: yeah well start let's go back a little bit then so you talked about a kid growing up in Boston attending the games how did you get into this industry
1: oh well that's a good story so uh, so I'll try to I'll try to give the cliff notes version of that story. But um, I was living in L.A. I didn't like earthquakes. I moved to the East Coast. Moved to the Washington area, and my brother was a partial season ticket holder for the Washington Capitals. And so I had been to a few games there. And what was interesting is, as I had mentioned earlier, in Boston there was really no video boards there, um, and then so. Like US Air Arena Mm. uh, in Landover, Maryland was the first video board. They called it the Tell Screen. And (laughs) what I remember is I would go to those games and they pretty much threw up the broadcast feed. And during breaks, they had, I think, one camera that shot crowd shots. But the thing I remembered the most was there was in the third period. The team was down, and they would play a movie clip from Animal House. Oh, yeah. Old John, Classic. John
0: clip. Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: over. Did somebody say over? <laughs> Nothing is over until we decided it is. <laughs> and they'd run the clip, and the fans would go crazy. And if you got lucky, the team would then come out of the timeout and score a goal and go on and win the game. Uh, and I actually saw that happen once. And – So as it happened, I'm living in D.C. for a few months and I'm looking for work. And there was a job for an event producer. Mm. And I said, oh, this looks interesting from the the brief job description. um, Sounded like somebody who had to do with the programming and what goes up on the video board. So I went, I somehow got an interview and I learned that this job was the person who decided what went on the video
0: board. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And
1: I think it was. I think uh, I think they were offering, you know, it was like twenty one thousand dollars a year. It sounded, you know, big, big money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and I I left the interview. I'm like, we have to get this job. This is a dream come true to work in sports. Mm-hmm. And like candidly, I didn't know there were jobs like this. Right. I had no idea that this was an industry. This was a thing. Mm-hmm. So I went home and I said, what can I do? And I thought about it. I said, you know. That that animal house clip is really cool. I loved watching movies as a as a young adult and a child. And so I I went down to the local Blockbuster and I rented probably about 20 movies, all these different movies that I knew had scenes that could psych up the crowd or make them laugh at some point and I I edited a reel went from a VHS camcorder into my high (laughs) eight, sorry, my VHS player into my high eight camcorder. And I edited this reel, probably about three minutes worth of clips. Mm -hmm. Um, And I presented them and sent in the VHS (laughs) tape, Dubbed it off to VHS and said, hey, I really enjoyed the interview. I've been thinking about this job. This is the perfect job for me. Here are some ideas I have that of clips that you could play at a Capitals game, or it wasn't even the Wizards, it was the Bullets, the Washington Bullets. So or a nice, Bullets nice. game, or we had an indoor soccer team, the Washington Warthogs. And these are some clips that I would play in scenarios. And it was that tape that got me the job. Wow. And so and so I always like to tell that story because nobody told me to do that I didn't have mm-hmm. homework after my interview and they didn't say hey David please go in and create this videotape I wanted to stand above the crowd and show that I was thinking about this and I took the initiative to get the job and so when I ever speak to classrooms or kids or DECA events I like to tell that story because uh, it's really what got my foot through in the door Um, to to go that extra mile
0: that's impressive that is that's incredible and it's it makes so much sense right as you're telling the story but how often do we think about that right we just show up and hope but you're like no I'm going to show up and show them what I can do show them how I can help their organization that's that's awesome that's a great story well thank you Yeah. So then, so tell me a little bit more about where else have you been within your career and what other areas have you worked in?
1: So I started, you know, before DC, I was, I went to grad school at Syracuse and I knew I wanted to uh, do something in production. I thought I wanted to go into news, but, but in Syracuse, I really fell in love with the production side of things. So I moved out to LA,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, was reading scripts for free. Uh, and then I landed this very glamorous job at a company called Nashinski and Associates in the early nineties where I made how to use your Motorola cellular phone video. <laughs> uh yeah, very glamorous stuff. And I was hiring hand models and oh. uh production managing of, you know, this these are the this is how you store your phone number. Um, this is how you make a call. Like literally, you would. <laughs> if you bought a Motorola flip phone in the in the early to mid '90s uh, at a Circuit City, it came with a VHS tape. And these were projects I got oh to work gosh. on. Oh my gosh! So, earthquake came. I moved to the East Coast. Uh, I ended up getting this job in D.C. and I worked there for five years. Uh, I worked at, uh, for the Washington Capitals and Washington. Bullets slash Wizards. Um, We opened a new arena while I was there, so I I learned a lot at the time. Um, I sort of got self-taught on Avid at the time as well, and I was video directing their shows. And then an opportunity came in Atlanta. uh, They were opening a new arena after the Olympics down there. I applied for the job, and I ended up getting the job in Atlanta. And so in 1999, I moved to Atlantis to start the video production department for what was then called Phillips Arena, which yep. now State Farm Arena. Yep. And I worked there for 18 seasons. Wow. Uh, and I worked my way up. Um, I oversaw the video team and then ultimately uh, oversaw the entire fan experience, game presentation, and production departments. Um, so I was there for 18 years, uh, made some incredible friends, lifelong friends, learned a lot of what to do and what not to do Uh, and frankly that was a lot of my five years in DC. Um, It was a labor of love but it was not an easy five years. Um, We don't have enough time on this podcast to tell you the war stories there but I did learn a lot of what to do and what not to do and uh, I thought when I went to Atlanta one of my things I'm most proud of is building a culture there, just building Mm. a positive culture of people who enjoyed what they do. Um, You know, in the production world, you can have, it's a very tense time in a live control room. There can be a lot of screaming, a lot of tenseness. Uh, I don't know if tenseness is a word, but Mm -hmm. I just used it. Um, And, but I, I think I helped build a positive culture um, of positivity and creativity there. Uh, And then... Um, I got a phone call in 2017 um, if I'd be interested to uh, to explore the opportunity with the Titans. And uh, I did and I made the move back then to oversee the, the game presentation production arms of the Titans.
0: So tell me about that. So you went from mostly Arena Productions, which is a an different animal in and of itself to more of the football, what types of things would you, if you're talking to someone who's maybe thinking about a shift in careers or thinking about moving between maybe arena production to some on-field production, what, what things did you notice? There were the differences, what was similar amongst those?
1: Well, in the NFL, you have 10 games, mm-hmm. and that includes preseason. So really, you have eight or nine games now um, to get it right. And you now every game is a very big deal. In, in hockey and basketball, and obviously to an extent in baseball, if you've got you know forty-one home games,
0: plus.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I don't want to I don't want to rip on anyone, but a, a Tuesday night against a Tuesday night against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yep,
0: Timberwolves. You yeah. know
1: what? Maybe you explore and you you experiment with some things you are, aren't sure if they're going to work or not. Because, uh, whereas in the NFL, you're not—you got to get it right, mm-hmm. uh, and if you don't get it right, you're going to hear about it. There's mm-hmm. there's just a lot more focus put into every production, um, and then on the other side, it, or in addition, um, the sensibility of the sport.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I I learn, and, and, and some of it will have to do with the personality of your particular organization, but some of the I'll use air quotes shtick that I like to do uh, (laughs) and that I like to do in the arena uh, arena venues doesn't always play as well in a stadium. Mm. So, so you have to, you have to, you know, figure that out. The pace of the game is different. Mm -hmm. Um, Sitting at home and watching a football game. I, I tear my hair out because there's so many commercials. Right. Uh, and yet when I am sitting in the chair uh, at a game now, uh, I'm waiting for that commercial to get in my inventory and to to make sure we we get it all in and have enough time to hype up the fan. Uh, so it's so much different. I, when you're producing the game, it's like, where did all my commercials go? And when you're at home, it's like, why are there so many? Right, right,
0: right. <laughs> but, the, yeah. but don't you think that what you do for a quote unquote commercial in a game Has to be different than what you're seeing at home at times too. Somehow incorporating it into the game presentation, into something the audience would be interested in. Have you seen any of that, or is it pretty much what we see at home?
1: I mean, at home you're watching a 30-second commercial. Mm -hmm. Um, I do not allow 30-second commercials. I don't Mm -hmm. want. I want to interact with the crowd. Yeah. Um. So you want to? That's really your storytelling time. So whether you're telling the story of you know your your salute to service of the game, your your veteran of the game, or you're playing an interactive game with the fans, mm-hmm. or you're running a hype video, um, you're you know you have a, a script, you have it scheduled out, but then you also have to adjust to what's happening in the game. Mm-hmm. So you know if your team is if your team is losing by a couple touchdowns. It may not be the time for that silly video, right. um, So, you know, it's, you really have to pay attention to what's happening, um, and it's a whole other production. I mean, obviously during gameplay, you're you know you're prompting the crowd. There are rules in the NFL of when you can prompt them and when you can't, and the graphics you can use, and the audio levels, and all those kinds of things. Um, but then when you hit those breaks you are really in production mode of you know which pieces you're playing what promotions you're running um it's very different than sitting at home and watching a 30-second commercial
0: yeah let's go talk a little bit about idea you have sure. been oh how many years have you been with the organization i believe
1: 25? i believe my first conference was in 1995 it was a it was in Phoenix, so yeah, uh, I think it was ninety five. Um, and I am proud to say I have not missed a conference um, since I've gone. That's so uh, incredible. So um, i have I have enjoyed it. I have learned so much. So you know, I remember those first years, and i the first year I watched the the GMA videos. Um, which our golden matrix awards. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I came from an organization that, you know, didn't submit anything. It was very basic production. Mm -hmm. And I sat at that conference. And when, when we sat there and watched all these finalists for these video categories, my mind was just blown. I could not believe the quality and the production value. And this was something you could do. And this just opened my eyes. Like, This is what I wanted to be. This is what I wanted to strive to do. And um, that is what drives me. That is, -hmm. Ever since that day, I wanted to be involved in the organization and meet people who could teach you and you could share war stories and get production tips and be inspired by the incredible production that you're seeing around you. Uh, and that is really what the organization has done for me um, from day one. And I've always wanted to give back um, yeah. because of that.
0: Yeah, and you have. And you have been such a valuable contributor to the organization. If you think about someone who's maybe new to the organization or considering joining the organization, what advice would you give them?
1: Be involved.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just be involved in the organization. Join a committee. Join a couple committees. Um, be present at the conference and meet people. That's one great thing about the conference is that you don't have to be intimidated. You can go up to anybody and have a conversation and share your war stories. There's there's nothing greater than sitting whether it's in a, in a breakout session or at the bar or what have you where you're just sharing stories of what's happened to you because we have such a unique industry. Um, mm-hmm. There's just not many people who do what we do. Um, it's not a medical conference where there's thousands and thousands of people who do that or sales. Like all these are great professions. Um, and I'm sure those conferences are interesting unto themselves. But for us, we li- we work in a very unique industry, a niche industry that we can just tell these incredible funny stories or interesting stories of um, how you had this idea and how it worked out great or maybe it didn't work out so great and the fallout from that and what you learned from that. And it's just, you you get so much from that and just meeting your counterparts, um, sharing war stories um, and hopefully growing from that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, David, you're really a pioneer within this organization, one of those who's been involved, like you said, for probably close over 20 years and have really helped the organization to evolve and to grow and so i thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today and talk a little bit more about your career and what that journey has looked like as well as the organization as a whole so thank you so much
1: it was my pleasure sarah (laughs) and thank you for all that you do for the organization. oh
0: well thank you Thank you so much for joining us on the IDEA podcast. To learn more about IDEA, go to www.idaontheweb.org. Stay tuned to our next episodes as we learn more about many of the IDEA members and how their careers have been shaped as being part of the IDEA organization.